thank you for being here. And for anybody out there listening right now, today we are going to enhance your ability to trust and believe in your faith. So Christian is a cultural creator, and he is one who specializes in gathering and interpreting cultural content like that is empowering in itself. And as a cultural creator, you know, community building, Christian helps his clients and congregants develop how they see themselves on the inside. I'm smiling because I'm here for all of this and how others <laughs> see them externally because I think, as you all know out there, one of the things we think about all the time, we judge ourselves based on other people's opinions when we don't give ourselves enough credit for what we see and feel on the inside anyway. And Christian understands, and this is where it gets super deep for me, Christian understands that God looks at your heart and looks at your outer appearance. His mission is to help you maximize both. Christian has served in many areas of ministry, including worship leader, I know all about worship leaders, <laughs> conference planner and facilitator, teacher, youth minister, pastor and founder of the faith community and leader of holy smokes mm -mm -mm. cigar and spirituality movement get ready to trust and believe This is Sean T, and it's time to trust and believe. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, Christian. I was like, I do not want to have a pre-conversation with this man. I was like, everything I say from the top has to be recorded because I am like freaking out. And I'm going to tell you why. When I came Please across do. your TikTok, <laughs> first of all, how are you? I should say, how are you first? Nah, it's <laughs> but cool. I appreciate it. <laughs> but I'm like kind of fanboying a little bit. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> Yo, since I was 16 years old, everything that you talk about, I've been struggling with. Mm. And like really having a tremendous amount of guilt internally about everything you talk about. And so that's why I'm so excited to have you on the show. Mm. I mean, I went through so many things in my life when it comes to religion and spirituality and the universe and trying to 
abide by some sort of a law in mm. my life because of the way I was raised. I was raised in a church. My grandfather was a pastor. I was in church like 20,000 times a week. <laughs> and I just knew that I was different than what they were talking about. So welcome to the show. I know that was a very long intro. I'm going to let you talk as much as you can, but I'm just so happy yeah. you're here. <laughs> Yeah, I'm thrilled, Sean. I I greatly appreciate the the invitation. Like I'm I'm humbled even by the energy thus far, man. I'm just glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I just want to kind of like set everyone up for how I came across you. I don't know this the social media algorithm really knows me. I used to be like, I'm not into that, and then I'm like, now I'm like, yo. They got me on lock. I literally have never talked about religion or spirituality once really on my social media, but you popped, you popped on my, my channel and I'm going to start by saying this. And then I want you to kind of go wherever you need to go. When I was 16 years old, I asked my grandmother, I was like, you know, we've learned for so long, or I've learned for so long that if we don't accept Jesus Christ as our personal savior, we're mm -hmm. going to hell. And I asked her that question because it scared me. You know, I was extremely fearful of, you know, burning and fire and brimstone for Absolutely. all of eternity, you know? Yeah. And I was just like, and this is before I even thought about the fact that I was gay, really, you know, that had nothing to do with it. It was just like, yeah. I was going to church and I'm like, I'm as a kid, I'm sliding up and down the pews. Like, I'm not interested in this. Like, I, this, I, I'm not interested in this, but I feel really guilty for not paying attention because I think I'm going to hell for it. But anyway, to yeah. hone this in, when I was 16 years old, you know, I said, you know, my mom, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior at seven at camp. And so in my head, I'm like, I, <laughs> I was like, I'm a pretty smart kid. However, I'm seven, you know? Yeah. And then so when I got older, when I was 16, I was like, so you mean to tell me? A six-year-old from China that may maybe study Buddhism is going to go to hell if he doesn't accept Jesus Christ as his personal savior. And she was like, yes. And that's when, and I love my grandmother. She's probably mm -hmm. looking down at me right now, probably happy I'm having this conversation with you <laughs> if you're somebody that believes in heaven or whatever. And that's when, like, for lack of a better way of saying it, all shit hit the fan in my head, in my eyes, in my ability to believe in the Bible. And so I just wanted to say that to start the conversation and I want you to go. And if I interrupt you, it's just because I'm feeling something in my soul that I need clarity on. <laughs> yeah. You know, your story is, is actually very common, Sean. I mean, most of us who grew up in church had similar experiences of learning about salvation and heaven and hell and Jesus and you know, the invitation and accepting Jesus into your heart because we were all given the same playbook. You know, we, we all got indoctrinated in very similar ways. Uh, and that's just problematic in and of itself, how we've been indoctrinated. There, there are so many different directions we could go in with this conversation uh, based on what you shared. But I think it's definitely problematic when we put that kind of pressure on kids mm. because our our brain doesn't even fully develop until we hit 25 in, in, in those young adolescent years, like putting that kind of pressure on a kid, 
and I know this might be like very controversial, but it's a form of child abuse mm. because we're literally traumatizing children. Like if we tell if we tell kids, if you don't follow these rules, God is going to be angry with you and send you to hell where there will be gnashing of teeth and fire and everybody's going to be in pain all day, every day for the rest of eternity. That's like terrorism. <laughs> I've never really been to therapy about this. It's going to be my first therapy session about this, I think. But having, you know, I am a gay man in a, you know, gay marriage and I have two kids via surrogacy, all of which the Bible just finds to be, you know, just like sin on top of sin on top of sin. And I have this desire to want to introduce my children to the world. And so I also feel guilty that I've never prayed with them or have taken them to church or, and I'm just like, this is crazy. Like, because it was such a big part of my childhood. So what you're saying is like, I think that is it. I feel like if I introduce this to them, it is a form of child abuse. And I'll tell you why, because I, I, I don't lie to my kids. I talk to my kids literally like they're adults with words that they understand. So one of my kids was like, you know, can we go see our fish that we buried? And I was like, did their fish died a couple months ago? And I was like, oh, you know, we could try to go see the fish. And he was like, you know, Papa, you know, are you going to die? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to die. And he was like, are you going to die before me? And I'm like, I hope so, because right. I'm way older than you. I was like, I've had a long time here. And for the next few days, like, he was super sad. He would just come up to me at random times. He's like, you know, please, like, Papa, please don't die. Like, I don't want you to die. Like, I want to die before you, you know. And my initial response was to be like, yeah, but, you know, we're going to go to heaven. And I had to, like, stop that. Because he would have been like, well, how do we go to heaven? And if we don't go to heaven, where are we going to go? And so I just became, like, terribly stuck. So I wanted to share that. Yeah. In reference to your, your your terrorism child abuse statement. Yeah. And the problem that a lot of us run into, Sean, is our beliefs were presented to us as certainty when we were kids. So mm -hmm. it wasn't presented as here's a perspective on faith. Right. This is one way to believe in the divine. This is one way to look at the afterlife. There are other viable options that many people throughout the world and throughout history have believed. This is what I believe. And then, you know, if you would like to participate in that as my child, you can, but that's up to you. That's one conversation. But in popular Christianity in the West, in the Western culture, it's presented as this is it there's there's no way to see the world or to see the divine outside of this very narrow very rigid box that we've put the divine in and it cripples us to be perfectly honest i mean it's the reason why religious trauma is an actual study and practice now it's a novel concept but it is real and people discover all the time that they've actually been traumatized religiously and have to go to therapy or, or go sit with an expert to work through that because it affects every part of our lives. Our faith is a part of our identity. Like as, as a human being, whatever our relationship is to faith, it's a part of who we are. If we're, 
if we're like very strong in our faith in the divine or we're very strong in our uh, lack of faith. Like, no, I don't do any of that. I'm separate from that. It's a part of our identity. So when you find out that a major part of your identity may have been faulty or problematic or a lie, then it starts to make you question your own identity as a human being. That's really heavy. That's really heavy. And it takes a lot of emotional work uh, to, to come to grips with that and figure out what do I believe as I move forward? Cause I know what I used to believe or used to try to force myself to believe. And I don't believe that anymore, but now what do I believe? Right. <laughs> because that is, that is the question. And yeah. with that question comes this, you know, terrible kind of dichotomous feeling where I'm glad I don't have that rigidness, but also I feel really guilty for not believing in something, you know, it's just, it, it really becomes this like, really weird feeling but i wanted to say you know you brought up a good point that i told you this was gonna be a therapy session so <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to be my therapist but i mean you can respond how you need to no for, go ahead i'm married to a therapist so oh, okay so you're yeah. here for it i got it so <laughs> you can have them come on to help me out but uh right you <laughs> but i so i was sexually abused as a child from the time i was eight to the time i was 12 and i told you i accepted jesus christ as my personal savior at seven at seven mm. years old right so then I'm like, you know, that was one thing that I never talked about in therapy is like, so I went to camp and then the next year of my life, I'm getting sexually abused and then I'm sexually abused by my stepfather who is, is a, you know, he's a, like a prominent figure in my life and someone who supposed to protect me and vice versa, you know, this family unit, this whole thing. Right. And so part of the reason why I didn't run and tell anyone is because I'm like, well, if I tell my grandparents who's my grandfather's a pastor and my grandmother's a first lady, then he's definitely going to hell. So now I'm in this crazy, like, thing of like, well, I can't tell anybody because he's going to go to hell, but I know this is wrong. And I know that the act of sex is wrong. You know what I mean? So I feel like in in all of that, it really exacerbates a, a child's ability to actually open up and be completely free with anything that they fear as well. Absolutely. That's tragic. Like, thank you for sharing that. Um, just being honest with me, I know we're recording this for the podcast platform, but we're having a conversation here. Thank you for being transparent with me with that story because you don't have to do that part of my thing is truth trust and transparency and my podcast is called trust and believe but beyond that i'm telling you when i i literally scroll through and i'm like i do not want to miss a video of christians wow. because it's the first time that someone has spoken to me with in this way that i really understand and like the guests that you have on you have these conversations with i'm literally nodding my head you know wow. and i pull my husband aside and i'm like can you listen to this? And he didn't grow up in a church like me. So he hears it and he agrees and he understands that he's here for it, but it doesn't hit the same way. So me sharing this with you is really, really like, it's really honest. And so thank you for, you know, allowing me to as well. Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. There, there's so much that goes through going, going back to the story that you shared. There's so much that goes through, um, a person's mind when they've been sexually assaulted, molested, so on and so forth. Uh, because like you said, most times it's with people that you know, well, that you thought you can trust. And the way that messes with your head, like, and I don't know this from personal experience. I've, I was privileged to not have to deal with that as a child, but I work with a lot of people who have, mm. and the, the, internal response that people have is very consistent across the board. And a lot of it is rooted in shame. There is, there is shame that you feel about what was done to you. And then you're worried about how people are going to respond if you tell it. And then the fear of the shame just causes you to keep it to yourself. And then if you decide later on, you know what, I'm going to overcome this shame and I'm going to tell it anyway. Then people say, well, it must not have been that bad because you didn't tell it when it happened. It's like, damn it. <laughs> you can't <f> win. <laughs> you, that is like, that is the, to me, it's like, I've heard that before with people who have been raped and other people have been sexually abused. Thank God no one's ever asked me that question because I probably, in my day before therapy, probably would have punched them in their face. But, mm -hmm. you know, but that is the craziest thing. And and I think what, what makes it even worse is when it happens in the courtroom and jurors mm -hmm. say, well, you waited this long, so it must not have been that bad. Or maybe you were making it up. Or maybe you forgot. Yeah. And so you're in a no-win situation. I interviewed a guy. This is like a crazy story. So I interviewed a guy whose best friend, whose best friend's dad sexually abused him. They went to court. The, they did not believe the kid. So the dad got off, and he was still able to go to, like, the soccer games, and he was still able to be around this guy. And so it's like really like you want you 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 tell people like you should say something you should say something but then like you don't believe it because they took too long to say it's so wild yeah and and that's because people lack empathy mm. and rule keeping religion which is like how i define popular christianity it's it's rule keeping your entire relationship with the divine is rooted in the amount of rules that you can keep. So do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that, right? Don't be gay, don't have sex if you're not married, don't drink alcohol, don't play cards, whatever it is your church told you don't do, right? right. And, it, and then you believe that your relationship with God was based on your ability to keep those rules. And the religion never teaches us how to empathize with our neighbor how to understand that our neighbor may have gone through something different from us or something similar to us, but they experienced it differently than we did because two different people can have the exact same experience, but experience it differently. And rule keeping theology doesn't help us to empathize with people who may have had different experiences so 
it becomes very difficult to navigate how to to process all of the trauma and all of the hurt because rule keeping theology also doesn't show us how to honor ourselves mm. how to how to love ourselves the the theology that we grew up in and and the reason i believe that a lot of the stuff that i say resonates with you is because we we came up in the same type of space so <laughs> exactly. i'm talking from a place of experience that we both share Right. So that's why there's that there's that cultural connection. There's that theological connection because we came up in that space. And when we're not taught to love ourselves. We allow people to take advantage of us mm -hmm. in ways that we otherwise would not, because we're constantly taught, you know, it's about everybody else. Put your put yourself last. I saw a marquee on a church. Uh, in a in a picture recently it, and it had an acronym joy it was like jesus jesus first then others and you last i was like what kind of bullshit is that no <laughs> right no no i can't express genuine love to you in an area where i don't genuinely love myself come on with it yeah so if i'm constantly thinking of myself as filthy rags and I'm nothing and I'm unworthy and God hates me. Well, guess what? It's going to be very hard for me to then empathize with my neighbor. It's going to be very hard for me to, to extend grace to my neighbor because I'm always dogging myself out in those same areas. So my theology actually pushes back against everything that we were raised in because my theology says you gotta love yourself. And not just because I'm telling you to, like, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment in the law? He said, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, both of those work together. In other words, you can't love God in a way that you don't love your neighbor and you can't love your neighbor in a way that you don't love yourself. But we were raised in spaces that never taught us to love ourselves. So now we're learning it in real time as adults and hopefully we're raising up generations that will have an, an honest or a healthy view of themselves and, and value who they are in their humanity. Uh, and I, I just think that's important for us as we try to figure out how do we put back together our faith after all that has happened. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. You said um, a little bit ago, talking about these rules. And when I think of rules, I think of sin, right? And so yeah. when they say, you know, all sins are the same. And so just like touching on my sexual abuse, but in all sin in general, it's like, wait a minute. So if I naturally, like hormonally, 
think about having sex because I'm going through puberty. Right. And that's, I'm like, you know, that girl, that guy is fine as hell. That sin, because, you know, thoughts, those thoughts are sinful. I was like, so this is the same sin as somebody sexually abusing me? And it's the same sin as someone murdering somebody? And all they have to do is accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and they're going to heaven? Like, so I would see these people who, you know... Look, I know that um, addiction is a sickness, So, I'm, but I'm using this as an example because my mm -hmm. grandfather and I would go out on the street corner and we would, first of all, we would go to um, the farmer's market before all the bread you know, expired mm -hmm. and we would put it in the station wagon and then we would go to the inner city and then we would give out all the bread and then he set up a megaphone and then he'd start preaching. And so all these people who were either drug dealers or like, you know, just got out you know, a pen, mm -hmm. all these people would come and it would be like, oh, he's like, I'm going to save you, come to church on Sunday. And at the end of the service, you know how it goes. Is anybody here that would like to accept Jesus Christ as a person? You know the whole thing, accept yeah. Jesus Christ as a personal <laughs> savior. And so I'm sitting there like, you know, as I, as I got older and I started to think about like my sexuality, right? I'm like, wait a minute. Like I ain't do half the shit that these motherfucking did. And like, I don't even feel free to be... <laughs> who I am in my yeah. own house. You know, like I'm hiding the fact that I'm at the time I was sleeping with guys and girls, if you really want to know, but I'm just like, I'm hiding all this. Yeah. When like all these people to do something, all they got to do is walk down the aisle at the end of the day, at the end of the service. And now they are part of the church and they get to eat. Now I'm happy for them. Like, you know what I mean? But I was just comparing it to like, wait a minute. That's I'm a really nice person. Mm -hmm. But because I have these thoughts, like it's the same thing and I got to keep repenting because I do what I consider and have learned in school and health class to be natural. So I think of like the sin yeah. thing just kind of really used to drive me nuts because I'm just like, this doesn't even make sense to me. That's the that's the big one, Sean. Sin is the big one. I wrote a book called Breaking All the Rules and in my book. As I walk through this journey of reimagining my theology, I was writing a book based off of not only my studies, but also my lived experience and a lot of the conversations I had with people along the way. And every time I had conversations with people, there were like these recurring questions that people would ask from conversation to conversation, because, again, we were all handed a very similar theology, right? You know, whether you're Baptist, Pentecostal, Methodist, we got a lot of the same stuff, even non-denominational, we got a lot of the same stuff. So inevitably, every time I had a conversation with somebody about really digging into their theology and, and into their faith, and I would tell them about greatest commandment, like Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor and love yourself and everything else will take care of itself. That's what Jesus said. The question I always got is, well, what about sin? Mm. Because that is what the church hung over our heads. And it's so deeply instilled in us that even when we leave the church, for those of us that do, that message leaves with us. We carry it with us. It haunts us everywhere we go. So the question becomes, well, what about sin? Well, if we're going to 
unpack this concept of sin. First of all, we have to acknowledge that sin is one of the biggest topics in the church and there is no clear definition for it. Isn't that interesting? Yes, it is. How we, we wage everything on this concept of sin, but no one can clearly define what it is. You ask people how to define sin. Well, anything that doesn't please God. All right. Well, what doesn't please God? Well, anything that's not in God's will. Well, tell me what is God's will? Well, sin is missing the mark. Well, what the hell is the mark? (laughs) Right. Right? Can somebody please give me a clear definition of sin? So am I working through my theology and writing out the book? I built a, a definition of sin on the greatest commandment. So Mm. if Jesus said your love for God, your love for your neighbor and your love for yourself are all connected. Like you can't love God. If you don't love your neighbor, you can't love your neighbor. If you don't love yourself, not in totality, right? Then I need to really unpack this concept of love. The first rule of love is do no harm. If I make a commitment to love you, the the least I can do is not do harm to you. I can't help everybody. I'm a finite individual. I cannot help the whole world, but I can at least make a commitment to not harm you. So if the greatest commandment is that I love God, love my neighbor and love myself, then my first commitment is I'm not going to do any harm to my neighbor. I'm not going to do any harm to myself. Right. So then I developed a working definition of sin, which is anything that harms me or harms my neighbor, my neighbor being my fellow human being. So if I'm not harming myself and I'm not harming my neighbor, why am I so convinced I'm harming God? And you know what? That is like such freedom because of somebody who is gay or trans or bi, or maybe they're not marrying a person in their race or, you know, if a Jewish person is not marrying another Jewish person or, you know, whatever, it's like, I'm not doing harm to myself because this is really healthy for me. Like mentally, I'm kind of skipping all over the place because I know I don't have too much time and I'm trying to get through it all. I'm trying to get as much as you as I can. You know, (laughs) you know, the other thing that really always like, you know, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I'm like, so wait, all y'all the same? <laughs> I'm like, hold on. All y'all the same. Like, the Father and the Son, that's the same as the Holy Ghost. So I'm like, I don't know who the hell to worship. I'm like, this is Jesus. Is it like, who Who are we supposed to be worshiping? And so when I did that, that's when I was like, <laughs> you might laugh. I'm like, I'm going to the Big Bang, damn it. Like, I believe in science. You know what I'm saying? That's when I started to, like, really try to, like, understand what makes the most sense. I'm like, I come from an embryo. I come from an egg and a sperm. Like, how does someone make sense of all of that? That makes a lot of sense. I I didn't laugh because I totally feel you, right? (laughs) That was my journey in seminary. So, I'm a preacher's kid, too. I'm a fifth-generation uh, preacher. Yeah, I do know that. <laughs> yeah. <Wow. laughs> so my dad told me before he passed away and I acknowledged my, my call to preach. He said, he said, son, 
a call to preach is a call to prepare. So make sure you are a prepared preacher, go to school, get educated, learn. I said, okay. Right. So, uh, I went to seminary three years after my dad passed and that's where I started unpacking all of this shit. And it got to the point where I'm gonna tell you how I got there. I got there in my evolution by rethinking my perspective on human sexuality and spirituality. Wow. Because I grew up in the space where being gay was wrong. Now it, my, my space was kind of like, um, we didn't condemn it, but we also didn't condone it. You know what I'm saying? We just didn't talk about it much, but I understood based on my environment that you're not supposed to do that. That's wrong. Then I got in the seminary and started really unpacking a lot of my theology. And I, I was sitting down one day just thinking through some stuff about human sexuality. And I said, okay, wait a minute. So my church told me that being gay is a choice. And I was trying to understand this for myself. So I looked introspectively. I looked at my own sexuality and I said, okay, Christian, did you choose your sexuality? And I thought about it and I said, I absolutely did not. Like I just discovered one day I like girls and it wasn't like one day. It's just like, ah, that's what I like. Right. right so I, right. I thought to myself, so if I didn't choose my sexuality, why would I perpetuate this belief that gay people choose their sexuality? I'm like, okay, we got we got to go back to the drawing board because this shit ain't making sense. Yeah, hold that thought because <laughs> you know I the example I always use when people ask me, I'm like, so wait a minute, you're telling me, especially I use guys mostly because I don't know, I feel like this is more impactful for them when they're like, you know, so when did you like? I, I literally two months ago had a gentleman ask my husband and I, so when did you guys choose to be gay? And I'm like, by you asking me that, that means you, you right now can walk into a bar or you can walk around this wedding reception and you're like, I want to sleep with that guy and I want to sleep with that girl. You're acknowledging the fact that you're attracted to men. Boom. And he kind of looked at me like, no, I've never been attracted to men. I'm like, so why do you think I was ever attracted to women? Like that. Mm. And they're like, well, have you ever slept with a woman? And I'm like, yeah, because I was told I had to. Right. And you know, you know, when you don't know anything else, <laughs> you kind of just go what you need to go with mm-hmm. until you discover like, mm, that's not really what it is. I, even though I know a lot of gay men who's never been with uh, a female. However, it, you know, I use that example. I'm like, so you're basically saying you can choose all day long, you can choose if you want a man or a woman, you just constantly choose to a woman. And he was just like, oh, snap. Like, And then yeah. throughout that conversation, he was kept, he referenced it a couple more times. It's like, well, you know, when you chose to, and I'm like, uh, right. which guy in here are you attracted to? Or are you telling me you're attracted to me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Anyway, so I had to like enhance that for a second. Absolutely. That that's the question I ask people when I have these conversations about sexuality, because, you know, people will talk to me because they feel safe because I'm straight. People are always intrigued by my advocacy because they feel like, well, you don't have any skin in the game. So I want to hear what you have to say because you're not advocating for yourself. Privileged people 
uh, are more likely to listen to other privileged people. It's just right. the way the way humans work. Um, and so I'll ask people. So how old were you when you chose your sexuality? And when I ask that, they're like, uh, wait, I don't. Uh, I'm like, yeah, you didn't choose. You didn't choose. None of us choose. We discover. It's a discovery process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And if you did choose, maybe you're bi and you just don't acknowledge it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yes, I look at somebody like you and you're the typical of what I've been saying all my life. I'm like, yo, guys who can rock. Like I have straight friends that will hold my hand in the middle of West Hollywood walking down the street. And people are like, oh, my God, they're gay. And I'm like, Abs- actually, they're the ones that you know aren't gay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. it's the ones who are like, you know, screaming out the window as they're driving by. They feel so compelled to hate something so bad because mm-hmm. that's something that they're a lot of times suppressing. Absolutely. Internalized homophobia. A homophobia can be turned on yourself as well. So if you're raised in the space where you are told that. Yeah, you know, being anything in the LGBTQ plus community is just an abomination is sinful and you internalize that message. Who knows how you'll act that out? Like, again, every human responds differently, um, even sometimes when they have the same experience, like you could be sitting next to somebody in a pew every Sunday in church and y'all hear the same messages, but y'all respond to them differently. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people, um, I'm particularly talking about men in this instance, who have those same gender attractions, but have internalized the homophobia on themselves. And since they don't love themselves, they project what they feel about themselves onto everybody else, which goes back to how important it is to love yourself. People treat others like shit because they really treat themselves like shit too. Yeah. I have three three more things to discuss. And the All first right. one is so the Bible. Mm. And the reason why is because I absolutely am obsessed with the book of Proverbs because mm. I just find that it is the one thing that kind of makes sense in a way because it's, in a way it feels like affirmational. You know, like yeah. it feels like a bunch of affirmations that actually you know, make me feel <laughs> like I'm doing something right in, the, in yeah. the eyes of God, right? But the rest of it, I'm like, wait a minute, these stories and y'all done been, and even Proverbs, I mean, you know, this is the King James Version, and this is like the 85th installment. And so how does someone who is religious and they want to go to church and they want to believe but, you know, they've been going to church since they were 10, and now they could be 44 like me, but this church interprets it this way, and another church interpreted it that way, and the Pentecostal interprets it, interprets it this way, and like it's so many different ways that now this person is, like, super confused. So, like, let's talk about the Bible. Like, is it is it accurate? Oh, God, that's such a loaded question, Sean. I know, I know. I'm coming for you. I am coming for you, Christian. I said, listen, I'm going to ask him this question. <laughs> is it accurate? The Bible is diverse. Mm. Um, it's it's a, written by a bunch of different people, mostly men, right? Which is a problem in and of itself, right? How could we 
how could we possibly say that everything we need to know about God is written in this collection of writings we call the Bible exclusively by men? How much of God are we missing if we only listen to men's voices? Mm. Right. So there's a problem in and of itself if we're going to like unpack the supremacy of the Bible, because the Bible has become an idol in the Christian church. And the, we, we, we look at the Bible as if it is this divine being when it's, it's just a collection of writings written by ancient people who were talking about their own experiences with the divine. So is the Bible accurate? I think the people who wrote the Bible were writing accurately about their perceptions of God, mm. but their perceptions don't dictate ours. So when I'm talking to people about how to engage the Bible and you know, I'm condensing a whole lot down into just a couple of minutes. So there will probably be, I know you are. <laughs> I'm going to have you back. We gonna have I'll, to do this again because there's much more to say. I could feel you. I know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could we could talk about this stuff all day. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I encourage people, there are a couple of different ways you can approach the Bible. You can approach it descriptively or prescriptively. Mm. Right. Description or prescription. So if you read the Bible from a descriptive perspective, it means that you're reading it in how it describes a way the people in the Bible saw God. So it doesn't necessarily mean that applies to your life. You're just reading what they experience with God and how they process that experience. That's descriptive. You can also read it from a prescriptive lens where I'm reading it because it prescribes a way for me to live my life. But not everything in the Bible is prescriptive. It can't possibly be because the Bible contradicts itself too many times for all of it to be prescriptive. But in our churches, we were told you got to live by this whole thing. And the reason different denominations have different interpretations is because no one is really committed to every word of the Bible. We're just committed to our doctrines. Mm. The way we create doctrines is by emphasizing certain parts of the sacred texts. And then the stuff that we don't emphasize the stuff, the stuff in the sacred texts that 
doesn't align with our doctrine, we either ignore it or we reinterpret it to fit into our doctrine. So that's why you get all of these different perspectives on how to live right and how to be in in right relationship with God, because everybody's just emphasizing their doctrine. You got you, you go into a, a Pentecostal church and they say alcohol is bad based on a scripture, I think in Proverbs that says like wine is a mocker. Right. <laughs> yes. But but then you look at uh, and one of the one of the letters to Timothy in the New Testament, it said you need to have a little bit of wine for your stomach's sake. You drinking too much water. Right. Because that water is contaminated. You need to have some wine for the sake of your stomach. Come on. Jesus's <laughs> first miracle was Jesus did the the second liquor store run for the wedding in his first miracle. It was the second run. You, you know, you've yeah. been shine. You've been to the party where it's like, yo, we got alcohol. Somebody got to run to the store. Right. That's why I'm like, yo, everybody, like the most, the most sober person did the second run. <laughs> exactly. Jesus was the most sober person. And they was like, yo, what's up, homie? So right. <laughs> he goes to the wedding and I'm talking in the ancient context, they partied for days. Right. So this wasn't like, oh, we're going to party for a couple of hours. They party party. Right. And, they drank all the wine that was there. It's not that there wasn't wine at the wedding, but they drank it all. And Jesus turned water into wine as the story is told. I know everybody doesn't believe in that, like literally, but I'm saying as the story is told, Jesus turned water into wine after everybody was probably already tipsy, maybe drunk. <laughs> right. So it's like the Bible is diverse. You get a lot of different messages. And the the purpose of, of my ministry is to help people to work through that in community. So you don't feel like you're going crazy trying to work through this stuff by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Which brings me right to my next topic, which is your ministry. Mm. And so you said you're fifth generation pastor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how did people, family members, friends of family, other congregations that knew you, how do they deal with your preachings? <laughs> In so many different ways. <laughs> yo, because I'm like, yo, like for real, like, you know, I read your comments, you know, when you post things and most of the comments are people that understand, right? They're like, oh my gosh, me too, me too, me too. And I think it's just such a movement yeah. what you're doing and you're making people feel like what I say next to normal. Right. Like your ammunition in this war, <laughs> like, I mean, you be shutting people down before they can even say something, but I'm sure there's got to be people that's like, have, how many like calls have you gotten or messages? I'm going to pray for you messages. Oh God. So, uh, it's too many to count. I've been doing this for years now, right? TikTok just connected me with my people. Mm. But I started, I started doing this eight years ago. Wow. But TikTok's algorithm connects people with the stuff they're interested in. I was doing it on Facebook. I was catching hell. I was catching hell. See, that's that's the war I'm talking about. Like you did that on Facebook. On Yo. Facebook, I did it. My my most controversial video on Facebook was years ago. I called it "God is transgender." 
Oh, see, you were trying. You wanted people to come. You you did. You were like, they're going to listen to this message. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to find my people. Like, when I evolved or when I started my evolution, because I'm, I'm always evolving. I hate to talk about it in past tense like I'm done. I'm constantly right. evolving. Um, I'm constantly deconstructing different components of my faith and building them back up, putting them together, and then continuing to examine them. But, but when I when I started doing that, on on facebook like the people who were connected to me a lot of them were like you're a heretic you're the antichrist you're going to hell you're taking people with you their blood is on your hands and i was just like no (laughs) no no because there's nothing in me that that suggests god doesn't want people to be whole so you can kiss my ass with all of that (laughs) You know, but that that's just that's my that's my temperament. Everybody doesn't have the temperament to withstand that kind of of onslaught, because I I mean, I I still get it today. Not nearly as much, um, but I still get it because TikTok does a better job with the algorithm than any of the other platforms. But yeah, I, I got it all. I have family members who called me and told me I was wrong before I started publicly sharing a lot of this content. I was an itinerant preacher. I would travel all over the country, New York, LA, Vegas, Chicago, Texas, Atlanta, like everywhere, Tennessee. I was traveling everywhere preaching. I started asking these questions in the public square and then all of my invitations got rescinded. One pastor in Chicago had me preach and like he didn't know who I was. He took me he took me as a recommendation from another preacher. And I went to his church and he was just giving me a chance. Young preacher recommendation from his friend. And he felt very strongly about how I did. He felt so strongly about how I did that when I got done preaching, he told the whole church, this is going to be Christian Smith Sunday annually moving forward. And I was thinking to myself, okay, you about to go on my damn Facebook and you gonna change your mind. And he, he actually went and started like looking up some of my stuff. And he called me and said, yeah, we're going to go in a different direction. Of course. Yeah. So you may have, you, you one made him uncomfortable and two, you were about to let everything he said, not everything he said, but like a lot of stuff that he said, it was going to make his congregation think twice about like why they were there. Absolutely. And I think that's what you do. That's really great. Even if someone disagrees or I think it's like that, not someone who strongly disagrees with someone like, I mean, for me, you're right for me, but there's like a lot of people who were like questioning it, right? They're, they're mm-hmm. like in this purgatory state of, you know, I don't know what to do. We got to talk about prayer because I have to tell you this, I'm going to tell you the story, and then I have one last question for you that I think is, like, so important for this podcast, particularly. Okay. But, um, so I'm, I officiate weddings, right? Nice. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing my th- fourth wedding in, like, a week. And so, you know, everyone that I've done a wedding for has been, like, you know, just, like, super excited about just me being able to you know, bring their union together. And it's not in a religious form. It's in a feel good form, just like making people feel good and kind of solidifying their union. And 
every couple has been different, but it's been really great. Even Alex, who you were talking to, my producer who's on here, I, I officiated her wedding. Nice. So this next wedding that I'm officiating, all the way up until like maybe three days ago, they were like, yeah, we're not going to do any prayer. We're not going to do any, you know, I want it to be like 12 minutes long, but from the time we start walking down the aisle to the time we leave. Mm-hmm. And then the the groom got a call from my, from my auntie. Well, who's um who who's officiating the wedding? And you know, he told him he told her who was officiating the wedding and they're like, So like the gay one? <laughs> and and you know, and so and so That's you know not like and, somebody auntie. Yo, it's somebody's auntie on the real to the level of a hundred, right? Right. So there was somebody else that's like well, I know, said to the to the bride, well, I know you don't practice Catholicism, but, you know, we do have these rosaries, and I think that you should wear them around your neck, and I feel like they should be blessed or whatever. And so, you know, we had this conversation about, I'm like, it's, it's really what y'all want, because it's right. your wedding, and I'm going to, you know, and do it in my way, but I want you to feel good. But at the same time, I was just like, you know, I don't think you should be doing something for other people for your wedding. I just like strongly believe that because I was like, I think you might look back and be like, if this is a, if this is a really prominent moment that you're going to look back on and be like, why did we do that? Like, that's not us. Then don't do it. Right. But you know, they had a discussion and I think that, you know, they are really wanting to at least make people feel comfortable at their wedding. So I was like, perfect. Like we can do it. But I was like, I need to let you know something. I was like, I know how to pray. And trust and believe. I was like, so we're like laughing, you know, we're laughing as we're talking about this. And I was like, trust and believe. Auntie's going to like, she's going to think twice about what she said. Like, wait, you got a gay man, you know, yeah. officiating your wedding. And, but she said to the, to the groom, she was like, well, you know, such and such is going to be there. And, you know, he's an ordained minister. Like he, you know, whatever. I'm like, I've been baptized. I've been saved. And I can promise you one thing. I can preach almost like the best of it. Maybe not you, Christian, but I can come through. <laughs> trust and believe. I believe. So anyway, <laughs> so anyway, uh, I trust I'll let you and know how believe. To... Hey, <laughs> speaking of trust and believe. So every anytime I tell someone that my podcast is called Trust and Believe, they a lot of times think it's religion, right? Mm-hmm. It's religious based. And so at the end of every episode, I ask people, what does trust and believe mean to you? And I just feel like this is, the most amazing question for the most amazing guest when, when it comes to that question. So what does trust and believe mean to you? And how do you help people trust and believe in themselves? Yeah, that's a, that's a big one. It's, and I'm glad you shared the context of it, because when you said, what does trust and believe mean to you? I started with the self. Mm. Right. Um, so what I encourage people to, to do is to get to a place where you trust that you are loved by God, regardless of what the church told you, that you believe that you were created in God's image, regardless of what the world tells you. And of course, I'm talking to people who have a faith in a higher power. This isn't going to apply to everybody. I understand that, but I'm a person of faith and, and you're a person of faith. So we're having a conversation as two people of faith and for whoever may be listening, 
that's what I want people to trust and believe in. Like, <clears throat> I want you to trust that you can lower the stakes mm. as it pertains to your faith and be okay. I want you to trust that you can be human. And in the words of my new friend, Robert Peoples of Offenders Humanity, to be human is enough. Trust that. That's how God made you. And believe that if you do the work of loving yourself and loving the people around you, God will take care of the rest. Don't even worry about that. When I write something, especially on Twitter, you know, and I write kind of like not affirmations, but I'm giving people the power to be free to be themselves. I do mm -hmm. add, which is really interesting. You talk about being kind or, you know, love thy neighbor like you love yourself is I always add as long as you're being kind, because I believe that I can be like, you know, be you know, be who the fuck you are, whatever. But I'm like, yeah. some people are being who they are and they don't know that they're being an asshole. Right. So they find freedom in that. I'm like, but as long as you're kind, like, are you leading with kindness? Are you let, like helping people along to continue to believe in themselves? And so I just love how you said, you know, lower the standard because that would apply to what we talked about earlier. People who may have those inner, inner struggles that mm -hmm. come out the inner struggles of like self-hate that come out that hate other people. It's like lower the standard, bro, like lower the standard so you can find a little bit of love for yourself. And hopefully that snowballs into you trusting and believing in yourself. Christian, thank you so much yeah, for coming on. I mean, I just feel like I just know, I know this ain't the last time we're going to speak. So we just going to call this number one. <laughs> yeah. We'll call it number one. Can I say one thing? Absolutely. For anybody that wants to connect with me, Go check out the Holy Smoke Cigars and Spirituality podcast. We have these conversations there all the time, right? So holysmokesmovement.com is where you can find it. You can check out the podcast. We talk about everything from the Bible to sexuality to to culture to all of it. Um, and you can connect with me there and continue this conversation for the time in between when I get a chance to come on here with Sean. Exactly. And we'll link... Christian's Instagram and TikTok yeah. and definitely Facebook in the show notes. And then we'll also link a way for you to get his book. Yeah, Christian, thank yeah. you so much. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate it.